Blog Talk Radio. This is the Back Porch Writer Podcast, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. It's live, fun, and informative. Each week, I chat with writers, editors, and industry pros to give you and me a heads up about this whole new awesome publishing world. Back Porch Writer is about creating the life that you want through writing and publishing. Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is August 9th, 2016, and it is shaping up to be a gorgeous day outside here south of Fremont, Nebraska. It's very sunny from my kitchen windows here. Yes, that's where I am right now. I'm doing all of the podcasts from my kitchen at the moment, partly because I cannot use my other building space just yet. Almost there. Probably have another month or so to wait before my husband is kicked out of that space and I get the entire upstairs and, and can have my recording studio and all of that. I'm looking forward to that. I think that will be a lot of fun. Now, today I have a guest, Krista Wagner, and before she comes on, um, well, I should say, we're going to be talking about how to write strong, suspenseful themes. We'll be talking about her books, of course, and, and her background. She's got an MFA, um, so that'll be fun to talk to her. But before we get into that, I do want to say there are three openings in September right now. So go over to, to backportrainer.com and schedule via the Calendly website um, for one of those openings. Looking ahead to October, I have not blocked this date off, but I'm going to. October 11th is not available. So if you go over there and you start looking for dates, do not sign up for October 11th because I will be substitute teaching that day. So I will not, I either won't do a show that day or I'll do a pre-recorded show that day. So that's a whole different follow wax to schedule that with me. But if October 11th is what you want, get in touch with me via email at kdmiller at backportrider.com. So that's kdmiller at backportrider.com if you do want the October 11th date. And we'll schedule something to be pre-recorded before that because then I can just put it up there and no big deal. But other than that, don't schedule through Calendly for October 11th. That won't work. Uh, but as I said, there are three openings in September right now for what I'm seeing. So go over there and get yourself scheduled so you can do some free book promo. Or if you happen to be a subject matter expert, you can certainly schedule. And if you've got great things to share with my audience, I'm sure I'd love to hear them, and so would they. Um, also, this is very interesting. I am, you know, I've took a, taken a hiatus from the Woman Art of Self-Defense podcast for a little while this summer, but I'm getting back to it soon. And it was brought to my attention recently by the ladies at Pretty Loaded. If you have not checked out their stuff, you should. They do some great videos they were able to get uh, a special day for National Situational Awareness, and that is officially on September 26th. So National Situational Awareness Day is officially September 26th. So I'm planning to do something with the podcast in relationship to that particular day. So stay tuned for that. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Krista so that we can get talking about how to write strong, suspenseful scenes. Krista, welcome to the back. Tell us a little bit about your background. I mentioned the MFA, but tell, tell everybody a little bit about you. Okay, so um, I've been writing practically my whole life. I started writing plays and short stories and songs when I was seven. And from there, I graduated, you could say, to novels in my later years. My first novel came out a couple of years ago, titled Intent. After that, I 
figured I needed to continue writing some more novels. So this year I actually have two more novels that were published, um, one being Ryan's Field that we'll be talking about, um, which is a psychological thriller, and the second being a completely different genre, um, The Gold, a middle-grade fantasy novel. Um, I, in addition to being a novelist, I also spend a lot of my time as a college professor, and I have been teaching um, English writing courses for the past eight years. And that's what intrigued me and made me say, I bet she could tell us a little bit about writing strong, suspenseful scenes <laughs> when I saw that. So I, I, thinking about that along the lines and, and thinking about what you write and everything, what, how would someone do that? If someone was just coming into writing, or maybe they've been doing it a, a couple of years, but they're struggling a little bit, what would you suggest for them regarding the writing scenes? In terms of suspense, um, there is actually a lot of suspense in reality in our daily lives. Um, and one of the things that you want to do is create tension. Tension doesn't have to mean that the two characters are fighting or that they're arguing or that there's some inflamed conversation, but rather that they simply are not quite on the same page. They have different intentions in that particular scene. And that's one of the things that, as you start writing, you'll see is very crucial for each moment of that screenplay or of that, of that novel, um, those different intentions. Um, and so that's what creates good tension and excitement. Um, secondly, you want to have, of course, with suspense, twists and turns. So there's a lot of mystery in suspense or in thrillers. And um, these twists and turns, these surprises hit on our fears and on things that we really don't want to address. Thirdly, um, you don't want to be too on the nose about it, though. So, yes, we do have suspense and we do have mystery in our lives, but one thing you want to be careful of is that you're not too on the nose with those things. Um, don't be so heavy-handed about it. Um, and you want to continue making uh, appeals to your audience with universal themes, so characters that they can relate to, characters that they care about, not that they necessarily like, but they want to know what's going to happen to them, whether they're the protagonist or the antagonist. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> give us an example in your books how you've been able to do that, those things that you suggested. Mm -hmm. In Intent, my debut, and in Ryanfield as well, there's a lot of trust coming from the protagonist with her world, her intimate group of friends and, and family members. And it turns out, unfortunately, in both cases, there's at least one person that's not trustworthy. And so to create, to further heighten that tension in those climactic moments, I build on that trust. So approximately the first half of the novel, the audience is thinking, as the character is, that she can be trusted, or that she can trust everybody pretty much in her world. When we get to the second half, things start happening. Um, clues, more clues are revealed. And that trust that the protagonist held on to so dearly is now being completely flipped upside down. And so that, again, is where even more tension starts to come into play. Mm -hmm. 
So what has been the response to your books? You've got the, the three out now. What has been the overall response by your readers? The first book, Intent, which came out two years ago, actually reached a, a huge um, audience in terms of gender and age and background because of the universality of the themes that are going on in there in terms of doubt and despair and and hope and, and trust, betrayal, all those things that everybody at some point in their life does experience. So even though it was focusing on a 22-year-old female, it didn't push away anybody. And there were men in their 60s, women in their 60s, um, 11-year-old girls, all kinds of people that were able to relate to this character because of all the things that she experiences. In Ryanfield, the character is um, also dealing with some betrayals, but this in particular focuses a lot on PTSD and so a trauma that not necessarily everybody might relate to. Um, but intent, I think, out of the three will probably reach um, a much broader audience because of all the universal thematic elements that are present in that story. Mm -hmm. So have you found, since you're a professor too, have you found that that gives you a little bit more street cred with your your students, the fact that you've been publishing? It doesn't come up necessarily all the time, but sometimes there will be conversations, and when they do find out that I'm an author, yes, it does intrigue them. Um, and a lot of my students don't like to write, but when they see that creativity and that opportunity to be original and to share their world and their experience through fiction sometimes um, it's definitely an appeal for a lot of students and I think it's also a great motivator because it gets them realizing that they can write too I, and I tell my students everybody can write we're just at different levels but everybody has that ability to write and so they realize that they have that capacity and they can continue to build on it and, and get better and stronger in their writing. Now, your journey for writing has been pretty interesting because I noticed that you've used two different small presses for the, the first two books, and then it looked like the, this most recent book, Ryan Field, you did through CreateSpace. So take us through that decision-making process there. So, yes, um, with intent, I, I spent a few months sending out several query letters, at least 50, to agencies and only one to an actual publisher because most publishers are you cannot directly contact. But it actually turns out that it was the publisher that was interested in pursuing. I did receive a few other responses, but nobody that actually wanted to go forward. Um, and I really wanted to traditionally publish. I had never published a novel through an actual publishing house. And so I was very excited about that. With Ryan Field, I also... Um, I also attempted to contact several different agencies and publishers as well, but I wasn't able to get a response um, in terms of wanting to go forward. And I also didn't want to sit on it for too long, so I decided to self-publish that. Self-publishing uh, and traditional publishing both have their pros and cons. And it really, I guess, depends on what you want as an author, if you want more control or if you want to be able to see what marketing strategies that you're attempting to 
create more exposure for your novel or work, even self-publishing, I would say, is the better route. Um, traditional publishing gives you that edge, though, too, because then I think there's a lot of respect there when people see that you were able to get a publishing house to um, give credit to your book and to present it to the world, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So why why didn't uh, the other two pick up the the Ryan Field? Was it just Ryan that it was Field, really different? Yes, or? Actually, with Ryan Field, I actually did not get any particular response with that. Um, mostly what you end up receiving, if nobody's interested, is not a response at all. And when they do respond, it's, oh, this isn't for me. And that's pretty much the extent. So there really was no clear, oh, well, I just don't like this. It wasn't anything like that. Um, it was just very vague, oh, you know, it's just not for me. Um, so no particular reason. Um, mm -hmm. The Gold, which came out in June, was actually published clean read. So that one did get picked up um, by a publisher, a different publisher as well. Um, and that publisher came in for me very quickly, um, which was surprising because a lot of publishers um, take a while to respond and then they take a while to, to go through the whole process of editing and, and cover art and all those things. But this particular one, um, it was a very um, immediate response. And that was back in January for the gold. And then it was published in June. So I'm pretty pleased with that as well. Mm -hmm. I just I would have thought that if you've worked with a publisher for a little bit, that if you you continue to write, they would want to look at the next thing that you're doing. That would have been my impression. So that's interesting that it didn't plan. It didn't work out that way. So that brings me to the next thing, though. The covers are on the first two books. The covers are are pretty dramatic and colorful and all that. And then with Ryan Field, you went with a very gray cover. So what was the decision making behind that? Ryan Field is focused on, in the opening chapter, she's attacked by a shark, so and it triggers a memory from her past. So the blue and gray is very dismal, um, and it is a psychological thriller. So it's focusing on the impact that these two traumas have on her life. And of course, the ocean plays a huge character in terms of the setting throughout the novel as well. Um, and Kent, similarly, is um, a greenish color, and it's kind of blurry intentionally because you're wondering who's in that background in the park um, because there is mystery and the suspense there. Um, and then the gold is actually very, very colorful and bright um, because there's a lot of fantasy going on in that one. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of um, the cover art. I was very impressed with the gold. Um, this was done by a graphic artist named Cora, and she just asked my opinion what I wanted on there, and she created this amazing cover that went beyond what I thought. Um, the first two in Tent and Rhinefield, I actually found those images online, and that took a long, long, long time because it's hard to find an uh, image that you can use for free without having to pay, or a lot of these images that you're not allowed to use for commercial purposes or for really any purposes. But um, that took some time, and it was difficult capturing the, the tone with just one image, and that was part of it too, just trying to find something that would really encompass the entirety of the novel as well. Mm -hmm. So how much input did you have in the various cover creations? Sounds like with 
the gold you had a little bit. What about the other two? I was very surprised by that because I had 100% input into those covers. Well, Ryan Field, of course, I self-published, but Intent um, Publisher went with what I requested. She actually um, initially sent out two different images for me to look at, and I just didn't feel like they captured the story quite good enough um, or gave the wrong impression of the tone. And so she was fine with what I had found. And then uh, this last novel, The Gold, uh, the artist uh, sent me an email and asked me, you know, what do I want on the cover? And I told her, a little girl with some gold shining through the forest. This is what the little girl's wearing. And then she just created this amazing magical image. Um, and it was just perfect the way it was. So, yes, I was quite surprised because the publishers actually do have the final say. But in both cases, um, turns out that they were right on the same page with me and, and everything went really great. So from a marketing perspective, how how has your experience been? Because now you can compare and contrast. You know, you did, you've done it with some small presses. Now you've indie published. How are you handling marketing now versus how it was handled during through the traditional publishing process? That's a really important question. A lot of authors have this impression that once their book is published, it's just going to sell itself, and that is a huge misconception. And I think a part of it rises from seeing in the media a lot of these authors that seem like overnight successes, but really the number one bestsellers don't just publish a book and then the next day are number one hit. Um, a lot of these, like even Stephen King, took years to actually make it in that world. And not everybody makes it, especially now with there being literally millions of authors competing against you. So in terms of marketing, when Intent came out two years ago, I did everything under the sun. I mean, I was contacting TV shows, radio shows. I was tons and tons of social media, um, everything you would think of, spending way more time on that than I ever did writing any of my novels. Um, it was a burnout. And I learned after a year, yes, it spent that long, until I finally realized this isn't the way to do it. Um, and actually, I learned that less is more. With Ryan Field, because I have 100% control over um, the sales, I'm able to see immediately when a book is purchased and to see what strategies I'm using work and what don't work. So I'm saving myself a lot of time and frustration um, and so, yeah, it's been a real learning lesson, especially with online media. There's just so many different routes that you can take, so many different um, campaigns that you can do. Um, so it's really uh, a matter of testing the water, so to speak, to see what's out there and what's going to work, what's not going to work, and really getting people's attention when you're just one of many, many fish in the sea and there's just so much going on with social media. I found actually at least in my experience, that the most effective marketing has actually been in person because people really want to get to know you. Um, so just talking to people that you already know or when you go someplace, even like an In-N-Out restaurant out here, which is a hamburger fast food place, just driving through and saying, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> and giving them the bookmark of your book. You just never know. Um, I went to a hair salon a, a couple months ago, and the hair salon um, – they actually bought a copy of one of my books and just started talking about all kinds of things, and that came up. So I found that 
you know, just always being ready. You know, you don't want to beat people with your book. And that's the, the one caveat I wanted to put out there is that you don't want to annoy people, especially with online, you know, keep mentioning every single day of the week. That's just way too much. And so you want to back off. And uh, another good way to get people to know you online is actually I have a couple other websites where I talk about book reviews and movie reviews because not everybody's going to just go, oh, she wrote a book. I'm going to go buy it. Um, they want to get to know you too, and they want to see different sides of you. So I found that to be extremely important too, just really interacting with my audience and talking to them and, and responding to, you know, maybe their, if you're friends with them on Facebook, for instance, and those kinds of things. But just building a rapport with them is hugely important in terms of marketing. Mm -hmm. Great suggestions. So what's next for you? This summer, I actually completed my fourth novel, and so I'm just having some people look it over, some people, friends, my husband's looked it over just to get their response and see if it's reaching them in a good way. Um, there aren't any points where they're kind of distracted or bored at all, um, but that it's really hitting them good. And, you know, I like, I think that's a, an important step, too, before submitting to publishers or if you decide to self-publish that people from different backgrounds and different parts of your life are all responding in a pretty much similar kind of way in terms of, yes, they like this, it's working for them, and they're interested in it. So um, that's where I am at right now. And um, I'm also pushing, um, I have screenplay versions for my first three novels, and so I'm pushing those as well to different movie producers and just different um, film contests and stuff like that, trying to um, focus on that side of my writing as well. That's so exciting. Uh, you know, how, how different is it, like a minute or so less, how different is it to go from writing the novel side of it to trying to translate that to a screenplay? In, with intent, I actually wrote the screenplay first, and that was a very tough for me. I've never had never written a screenplay, and that was three years ago. Uh, a year before the novel was published, and it was very hard because you have to compartmentalize a lot of things, and um, there's a lot of white space with screenplays, and it's just heavily focused on dialogue and on action. And you can't tell the audience what the or what the character's thinking. Um, they have to be able to see and to hear everything that's on that page. So that was very challenging for me. Um, I've gotten it's become a much more accessible um, method now. But yeah, we're very quite um, very different from each other, uh, the novels and the screenplays. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to do that? The screenplay actually was the final step in receiving my MFA in creative writing, so it was uh -huh. actually something I had to do, and I was forced to do in one month. I had one month to do this. Um, <laughs> but the, the big bonus of having written the screenplay first was that it gave me a template and the entire outline, and it forced me to think through the middle of it, which was the most challenging part. I already knew how it started, and I knew how it was going mm -hmm. to end, but you know, that thread between them. So it forced me to get all of that meat out in Act 2 so that when I did come to the novel version, I was ready. I had the entire outline for it. Um, and so I knew I just had to fill in more detail and description. But it did help me a lot in terms of getting the novel completed. That's really interesting because now it makes me think, oh, maybe I should start with screenplay writing before I write my <laughs> novel. That might be a really good approach for me because I, I'm not a huge outline person. <laughs> I do minimal outlining. So that actually could be a fun approach for me. Great tip. Thank you. <laughs> I might try that. 
Yeah. Um, you know, Krista, <laughs> how can people reach you? I um Crystal Wagner, I'm on Facebook and I'm on I'm everywhere. Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, um, Tumblr, G, uh Google. Um Goodreads. I have <laughs> Goodreads, yes. I have two websites for um my books. Um I'm on Wix, um, which is W I X, um, and then Blogger as well. So yes, I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty much everywhere that you could possibly find me on online. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with me on the Back Porch Writer Show. I really appreciate your input. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Well, I hope you got some great tips out of that. I know I did. That was pretty awesome. Um, I have a couple books for you. I've recommended them before, but I will say them again. One is Story by Robert McKee. And so that's a great book to pick up. And then Scene and Structure by Jack Bickham. You might want to check that one out. And then I also really liked Hooked. And Hooked is by Les Edgerton. So those are three books you might want to check into as you look at writing novels and screenplays, that sort of thing. So thank you for joining me here on Back Porch Writer. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackPorchWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write.